Hello, everyone, and welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia. Today, we are speaking to an amazing lady, um, and I won't give away the title as yet, but I will actually say we want to say a very big thank you to our funder, first of all, the Awards for All grant, which has enabled us to bring these podcasts to all the various different homes. Today's topic is about dyslexia and aspirations. And I think it's really one of the most amazing topics that I'm actually really looking forward to because we all have aspirations and dyslexics are so great. The way we kind of break down the barriers and get to where we want to be in terms of career um, and in terms of other things in our lives. Um, but before we actually go dive into the podcast, I want to introduce myself. My name is Elizabeth Tetchy, and I'm the founder and the CEO of Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia. And it's great that we're speaking about aspirations today, Aspire to Inspire. And we are joined by Grace Oalade Coombs. The title of this today's podcast is Dyslexia and Aspirations. Grace um, has been working within the further education sector for over 16 years. She is a Black minority ethnic dyslexia specialist and an expert practitioner. She champions diversity and inclusion, especially for young people entering the tech sector and entrepreneurship. She's currently developing a framework around supported pathways into tech industry for underrepresented groups. She's a founder of Transform Educational Support Limited and a founder of HackerFemo.com, Young Coders Meetup and newly formed Tech London Advocates, Young Entrepreneurs, to be launched at London Tech Week in September 2021. That is absolutely inspirational. Grace, welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast. How are you? Uh, Very well, thank you, Elizabeth. I just want to say um, I'm really inspired by you. So it's taken a really long time to have some Black and ethnic minority-focused dyslexia you know, organizations, groups to come through. Uh, when I started to uh, study dyslexia, it was really colorblind. It was like there was no people of color with dyslexia, apparently. And um, so I'm really inspired. And the work that we've already done together has made a difference to a lot of people, a lot of students that I work with um, at my college. And I am really, really privileged to be here this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Grace. It's, it's such an inspirational time at the moment. And um, for you to come on our podcast, it's like, wow, I am feeling really excited um, because you are such a phenomenal lady. And the only reason why I say that, all these companies that you're a CEO or founder of, rather, I don't know where you find the time, Grace, but you do it all and, and you do them so amazing. And I know that during our podcast conversation, I'd like you to talk to me a little bit more about hackafemo.com, which is really inspiring. Um, you know, just tell me a little bit about that. But before we dive into that one, let me ask you a very first question. Now, what does aspiration mean to you? Okay, I'm really glad you start with a question because if I start the other stuff, it will take half an hour before we get to the first question. So that is a really good strategy. <laughs> so when you ask me what are aspirations, what does it mean? Now, as someone who is dyslexic as well, um, that is a really tough question. I actually, it took me a little while to go, oh my goodness, what, what are aspirations? Oh my goodness. 
Um, so because, you know, when you have dyslexia, you could take that in so many different directions. But what I did, I asked my 10 year old and my 15 year old sons um, when we were out walking um, to say, well, what does it mean to you? And they knew that I was doing this um, podcast. They're like, mom, we're not going to give you the answers. I said, don't be stupid. I just want to know. Obviously, I didn't want the answers from them. And um, so my older son, um, who is um, who we'll talk about later on, he said, aspirations are just aims and goals that you set for yourself. So that's what he said. Okay, and I thought, yeah, okay, that was a good, good um, definition. But my younger son, my 10-year-old, he said that it was all about hopes and dreams. And I really do like that kind of more holistic, kind of deeper creative um, response to what are, what aspirations are. And I, I would bring it to that. I think um, it's your hopes and dreams, things that make you have meaning in your life, a sense of direction, and, and a way you develop self-worth. And it can go both ways. It can be, because um, I actually think it is, in, it is influenced by the environment that is around you. So I think that it can, um, you can have a lack of aspirations and it can have a deep, deep impact on your life. Well, you can be full of aspirations and have people around you who kind of mirror that and uh, validate those those dreams and hopes and are enablers. And they're like, okay, so what are you going to do? And they help you break things down. Um, like you said earlier, uh, when you have to flex, you have break you have to break things down into smaller chunks. And you know, like um, we have to work on our organizational skills do a bit of mind mapping and we have to kind of plan out like do a roadmap of where we want to be and yeah so I, I just wanted to say something here about um how you can have really um a difficult time with this as as a person with dyslexia um but also as a, as a black person so I wanted, I wanted if you're okay about this Elizabeth to say a little bit about my experience as a young um black dyslexic at school. I had the most awful um, time at school. I grew up in Leicester and um, I was a really, really creative person. I was, you know, I did misbehave. I didn't really get into what learning was about. I found it really boring. And obviously I found it difficult to write, but I, I had a opinion about everything. Um, and um, I, at my school, I was told at the age of, say, mm, about 13, you know, you have careers, you have these careers appointments. And I was told by the careers advisor that you, you, after all these little tests that you do, you will be fantastic as a admin assistant or a nursing assistant, all right? I'm like, eh, what, you know? Now, you know what? Not even a nurse, <laughs> a nurse and assistant. Let's get this right. Not an administrator, an admin assistant. And, you know, that healed something in me. And it's something that had a big impact. And to this day, to this day, that's had an impact on my life and how I see myself. I've had to really fight 
from that. Um, I don't know what it was, assault really into my creativity. I'd done a big black and white kind of um, exhibition and developed all the photos myself of my school um, on my own accord with another person. I, you know, developed the black and white prints, you know, when I was about 12 and we did this really great exhibition. And then they didn't even mention photography. Can you believe it? You know, I love carpentry and technical drawing. No mention of that. I, all right, I was slightly into computing because that I was the first year that got taught, you know, computer science. But it wasn't how it is today. It was quite, it was quite boring. It was all about, but I never understood what binary was. <laughs> but then they explained it so badly. I was like, well, what's that all about? But I was intrigued about technology and things, but my schooling just took that all out of me. I had a really negative time. I remember I got a high score for history and my history teacher convinced me not to do history, to do something else instead. And I was like, wow. I remember um, writing a poem about Wilfred Owen, right? This like the war poet. And it just really something in his poetry just caught me. And I wrote this amazing essay and I got asked if I cheated, if, if my friend, my best mate had written it for me. It kills you. Elizabeth, have you had those experiences at school? Yeah. Yeah, when people, just when people like just kill your creativity. And oh, just yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, to be honest with you, I would say I'm very creative. I'm not an artist in any shape or form, as in drawing. But yes, you know, going back to that question you asked me, um, I really wanted to be, um, I wanted to be an actress, believe it or not, when I was younger. But, um, you know, it's like onwards and upwards. And as you grow up, you go different directions, don't you? Yeah. You find your passion. Yeah. yeah. It, exactly. So school didn't do it for me. And um, so I traveled. So I just traveled abroad. I, um, I went to sixth form college. Because it is inside you, it is inside you. You don't have to travel to Cambodia, you know, or, or live in Darwin and join amazing campaigns against Aboriginal, um, like uranium mining and Aboriginal land to kind of like do, think about how to do aspirational things. It's, it's, it is in you. Um, but what I'd say is um, what I've learned from my experience in education, and why I started, when I started teaching, I started motorcycle mechanics, that's what I taught. And I found that a lot of young people felt, oh, you don't have to read, read or write to be a mechanic. So there was a lot of people with dyslexia on the course. And I did that course myself. And I, I just spent a lot of time helping people understand electrical theory or, you know, go through some of the um, instructions that were given to us by the teachers. And then I'd explain it again to the students. And I then got asked to come and teach. And I found very creative, multi-century ways of teaching. And I did know I had dyslexia by then. Um, I'd, done, I'd done a degree already. Um, when I came back from my travels, I did an MA in documentary research and set up a production company. And um, yeah, and I, I, can, I just thought, okay, I'm gonna train and do my dyslexia training so that I can have, you know, professional research-based evidence to, to inform my teaching and learning. And um, it was really good. But I have to say, one of the things that I learned in my training that sometimes gets lost 
is that when you are working with um, people and you're, you're doing diagnostic assessments, you always think about strengths as well as weaknesses that are there. Um, look at strategies, compensatory strategies that people are already using. And um, also I, I learned on a personal level, never ever to judge someone's abilities or limits, you know, or to thwart anyone's aspirations, right? So I just think that anyone can do anything. They just need to unlock that transformative experience to find their way, their pathway and everything's like bit by bit. You know, a little bit now, you can only go so far now and you work at it, it opens up to other understanding and then you can get to where you want to get. But what I found really hard is sometimes that some people, even who work in dyslexia, will make a judgment about a person, right? And I am, I get so angry about that because I, it's happened to me when people limit, just kill my, my aspirations and what I want to achieve because I know it has a long lasting impact and it, off, it does often happen to BME um, students a lot, you know. But I know someone who, who actually, um, and uh, a dyslexia specialist said, I heard, overheard them saying to a student, I don't know why you're doing this, Paul, you'll never get a job. You won't get a job in this, you know, you said you're not suited. And it was to a BME student. And you know what? Okay, maybe it was a bit unprofessional, but I went, excuse me, you know, don't you ever say that, you know, because I've had that experience of someone say that to me. You're not the vocational teacher. You're not the, the employer, employer. Right, you're not interviewing this person, you're giving them study skill support, you know, and I've had people judge me in that way before, you know, and, you know, it can be, it, 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 it can be seen as racist as well, you know, so, yeah, yeah. I, I really wow. feel so strongly yeah. about mm -hmm. that, it's like, I, I actually think it's abusive, of course, I actually think it's abusive when people thwart mm. other people's aspirations, so in my training, I did learn never to do that. So I don't know why what training other people got, but that was one thing. You never make those judgments mm. on, on someone. You never define someone and limit who they are, you know. So yeah, really strong about that. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, I mean, when I was young and growing up, and even up to this age, you know, sometimes people might sort of um come up with something like, Are you sure you're gonna be able to do that? Or they doubt me, to be honest with you. But I am a dyslexic with, do you know what? Tell me I can't and I'll prove to you I can. And that's just me all over, you know? And, and it's worked for me in, in, in terms of me's work, but maybe not everybody's that way. But that sort of negativity of, oh, she's not going to be able to do it or, you know, people doubting yeah. you just push me even harder as yeah. an individual with dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to move on to my next question, Grace. How can dyslexics be inspired in education, stroke in their career? So I agree with what you what you're saying. You know, when and this I love working with uh, students with dyslexia. Um, you know what? I just find that with develop, helping them develop strategies, they they can become really strong students, really good students. 
And I often get students coming in and saying, oh, miss, my classmates really jealous of me because I'm getting all these support from you and I'm coming out with all these strategies in the class. And they're like, yeah, but I want to know them as well. And it's so funny because a lot of strategies are good for everyone, you know. And so um, I, I just think, yeah, you can reframe experience, experiences and um, when you have dyslexia into really positive experiences. I think people can visualise things better. I think that people, I don't know about you, when I write essays, when I've had to write essays and I come across new terminology, I really, really, you know, I've done, I've done a degree and two MAs. And I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, you know, um, I'm, I'm just about to, to try and become a full stack developer on, on this scheme, just to road test it, see what it's like. So if I use new terminology, I can't write anything in an essay with this new terminology unless I've read 10 articles with that new piece of terminology written. So I need it sampled in many different ways for me to be able to use new information. And so I found on my, um, on my, especially on my MAs, that I had to read really widely and, and extensively for me to have an understanding because I couldn't write about one part of something, one aspect of something without having an understanding of all of it. I had to have a holistic understanding of everything before I could write about one little thing. And I think that's a real strength. And I think a lot of, a lot of people with dyslexia are like that as well. They have to have a really, really, really good understanding and have lots of questions answered about things before they have that ability to say, oh yeah, I can tell you about this. This is what this is about. So I always think that, and that's a strength when you go to work in a career or in a job. So, okay, exams, you have a difficult time, but if you have to do all this extra work in, um, your, your, the depth of your knowledge will be a lot deeper. So I think that you have to think about that. That's a real strength. Um, and it has, uh, I think a lot of these things have a real positive impact. Yeah, when you come to work, if you are quite a visual thinker, that's a strength. If you have to think outside the, the box or develop your own um, coping mechanisms for things, it means that you've developed those skills, those critical thinking skills of how to reframe something or how to get over something, problem solving skills. All those skills are skills that you need they're all 21st century skills that you actually need to do well in the workplace. Um, I think that you should always think what makes you happy, what makes you feel creative, what makes you kind of like excited about things, and you need to follow that. Um, and I think that you should always think about being in, look for like-minded people who validate what you think, what you want to do, and that and, and not to be in toxic environments if you find that people are telling you oh I don't think you can achieve that really maybe you should do that maybe you should stick with that stay with that you're good at that um I think you just need to get away from those those environments you, you do you have to have a real can-do attitude you need to really think blue sky thinking what would I really absolutely want to achieve in the next five years if everything went the right way everything I touched was successful and and turned to gold right where would I want to be in five years time I think you have to visualize success and and what that feels like and looks like to you then you have to know that, that what I really want to do and if it really is 
um, then you can go back, break it down, look at what you need to achieve to get there, who you need to know, reach out, get a mentor. And then you know what? You have to work your backside off. So I actually think you have to have a really good work ethic and you've got to put, so it has to be something that you really aspire to because you're gonna to have to work really hard at it. So it has to be something really awesome up there that you think all those hours of extra work and frustrations and, and all that make it worthwhile. Of course, of course. And again, I think passion as well. If you're really passionate about something and you want to make a change, for example, then the aspirations come with it because you really want to make sure that you reach that goal that you set. Um, I don't know if you, um, you might agree with that as well. Yeah, yeah. And you can't have people, when people um, say, oh, you can't do that, just ignore them. Just, just then they're, um, I always think there's can doers and there's the other type of hit person. So can doers like, that's amazing. Yeah. Have you thought about doing this? Um, how about that? Oh, you know, if you do this, you might be able to do that. Those are the people that you just want to be around. Anyone, and I've had this so many times. You know, you ask me, I do a lot of community stuff, a lot of tech stuff, a lot of um, community, community really brilliant stuff. I'm working with corporates and everything. It has to be can-do attitude. And anyone that says, you know what, you can't do that. It's like, get out of my way, right? You, you know, honestly, I'm like, get out of my way at the end of the day. And you know what? They might come back and they might be right about something. Sometimes I go, oh, my goodness. Oh, that was such a hard journey. And that, I don't know, naysayer, I can't remember the term, was right. <laughs> we didn't need this and that. But it has to be said in the right way for me to be able yeah. to take it on board. And also, I do like people to give me feedback, all right? Mm -hmm. And But I can't take negative feedback immediately all right <laughs> I need a bit of time because all in my head all I see is no you can't do that you could be a nursing assistant whenever you want someone says something about um a little bit negative it takes me back to being at school all right <laughs> so I have to kind of um go through that that pain and then process things properly and go okay so what is it that they, I can take from them Yes, that is going to yeah. be a constructive thing and that takes me a day or two to kind of like work that out and then I might come back and go okay you know you said that but then how can I make it different and Better. then they, yeah. yeah so I like Absolutely. reframing things mm, you know mm. in a positive way I can't stand it if anyone says you can't do it that's yeah oh Grace that's amazing Grace tell me a little bit about Hackafomo yeah. Have I said that right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, so yeah. my son, his name's Femi, and he uh, Nigerian nickname for Femi is Femo. And um, he, um, from the age of eight, he got diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. Um, but he also, we've always done things together, explored stuff, and um, coding was coming into the curriculum. And um, we decided to explore coding together. Um, I did a, 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 a raspberry certified educator course it was only about two days and we then uh, went on twitter and people said come and run some workshops for us i'm like what i've only had two days training around this coding stuff but then i just said femi me and you let we do it together we went to um, a really amazing community in camden and they said grace can you run a, a physical computing workshop and i go okay it's something that we did i did on my training I taught my son and then we went and did it and we just thought, well, you know, as long as we could get one person to like 
get through, learn a bit about coding, we'll be satisfied. But things didn't stop from there. And my son really enjoyed like hacking Minecraft to do physical computing. And um, he said, Mom, I, I want, can we set up some coding events that are Tourette's syndrome friendly so that my Tourette's friends could come to it because they wouldn't feel comfortable in like any old public event. Um, and was like, okay, let's let's set up an organization that's autism threat friendly. And someone recommended we do crowdfunding. I said, Fem, you got to do it, crowdfunding. I, I thought crowdfunding didn't work at that point. I thought it was like a pyramid scheme. All right, but I thought, okay, let's have faith, we'll go for it. And we, we raised money really quickly. Within five days, we got our target. We got about double our target. We didn't need much money, bought some equipment. And we introduced coding to hundreds of kids uh, all around the country. My son went to Bangladesh and taught over 250 uh, young disadvantaged people in Bangladesh how to code. And then we went on and we were like, okay, we've got all these skills where we can teach different people from all different environments. Um, so skill set, Femi's is like, yeah, mom, I want to set up my own company. He was just 11. And we set up hackfemma.com. He'd been doing a blog since he was nine. Um, so do look it up, hackfemma.com. And um, yeah, and it, it's just, he's done really well. So he did the Femi's Coding Bootcamp, uh, first monetized kind of camp that he did. And it was like phenomenal, it, it, you know, sold out, um, did really well. And since then he's been doing, we both do, you know, talks about young people, uh, about diversity and inclusion, 21st century skills, open source linked to computing and things. But, you know, he's, he's an international keynote speaker. He's like, he, he speaks all around the world. So he went to China. Um, we we kind of linked up with some fantastic networks that do lots of work in the tech industry. And we've been working with lots of corporate companies like Red Hat, we absolutely love. We've been working with them and um, they just, they're all about open source. And um, we, we have a similar kind of outlooks about how you build community. And it's been really successful when we now about to, uh, well, to launch Tech London Advocates Young Entrepreneurs. And it's um, like just building an ecosystem, an inclusive ecosystem for young entrepreneurs. We've got some amazing entrepreneurs from, you know, um, who have been in the Forbes 30 under 30s, you know, list of amazing entrepreneurs. Um, and we're going to work with different regions. So with China, UK, um, um, Africa, and then ASEAN region, which is like um, Southeast Asia and different parts of that part, part of the world, Singapore and that. Yeah, so yeah. Wonderful. This is absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much, Grace. Do you know, I could sit here all day listening to you. But um, unfortunately, we have to bring the podcast to an end. And I just want to say thank you so much for uh, coming on our podcast. Um, I don't know if you want to share a couple of tips with anyone. Four tips about how to inspire, how to be, I don't know, how to build and elevate your aspirations. So the first one is back in the 90s, I don't know if you remember this, neuro-linguistic programming was really popular in the 1990s. And I really like that. Look it up because it's all about you go and, and you kind of look at people who are really successful, who you aspire to, who you think are awesome. And you just, just 
like see how they do things how do they do things that are different from the average person you know so you you kind of look at modeling you just look at what other people do and then model it uh their successful behavior so i'd say that's number one um just work out what someone's doing above and beyond that makes them successful the second one is to be around creative and dynamic can-do people all right and you want to be around people who validate your aspirations and who you are and really are your allies. All right. Number three is then, you know, you've got to put in the work. All right. You've really got to put your, yourself out there. You've got to be out of, go out your comfort zone. You know, you've got to really be learning new stuff to get to where you want to be. Um, failure is a good thing. Failure is about feedback and just part of that stepping stone of the journey and i would say you really got to reach out every opportunity comes your way just go for it because you know what it might not be the great opportunity that you thought it might be but it'll open the door um to something else or meeting someone who will then give you the key to the, the door that you need to open and my very last one elizabeth all right and i mean this truly pay forward when you get some opportunities or you get privilege um, and success, you pay that forward to the next, to another person. You know, you always bring other people up with you. And, you know, if there's any opportunities that I can mentor someone else or someone wants to talk about their aspirations, I'm there. You know, I'm like, yeah, go for it. What do you want to do? How are you going to do that? Um, so I always think this idea is that you, you become part of a network, part of a community, and everybody's there to help each other. And if we all do that, then, you know, we are going to widen that participation. We're going to enable those underrepresented groups to kind of, kind of achieve their potential. Personally, I think young people, all young people have the potential to just be awesome. You know, and that's what this transformational learning is all about. I think for me, you know, if you can help people reframe um, their experience and unlock their potential, you know, that's what it's all about. Thank you, Grace. I love that word, pay forward. It's something that I think is going to stick with me for quite a while, to be honest with you. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Take someone with you, honestly, and help someone get to where you, you are. And that's the only way. We're going to support you know each other on on our um, careers and on our successful journeys, so to speak. Um, and thank you so much, Grace. It's been a pleasure speaking to you today on All Things Dyslexia podcast. Now, if any of our listeners want to connect with Grace, um, of course, we will share her social media platforms, and you can find that on the um, postcard that we post on um, not literally a postcard, but it's our podcast postcard oh what a mouthful <laughs> so you can always um you know find that on all the different um podcast channels and i want to say a very big thank you to grace Oweladi kunz and i also want to say thank you to yola who produced our podcast i want to say thank you to our listeners and i want to finally say thank you so much to our funders awards for all and um, for supporting this amazing podcast series that we have going for a year um, so that brings me that brings us to the end of our podcast. We will see you next week. I say see, we won't be, but obviously you can listen to our podcast um, next week, same time, same place, with a different topic. Thank you. Look after yourself and bye-bye for now. 
the Aspire to Inspire All Things Dyslexia podcast is funded by Awards for All. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.